0: to be able to welcome you to worship this morning at Parker Memorial Baptist Church. Once again, we're not able to gather as a congregation, but we're gathering right there where you are in your home to worship the Lord and to fill that place where you are with His presence and His glory. And I want to encourage you to get your Bible and go ahead and be turning to Malachi chapter 3. We focus in on that passage today as we continue our studies in regard to revival. Remember that this year is the year of revival at parker and everything we're doing is focusing on having revival in our hearts and our families in our church and hopefully in our nation and world as you have the opportunity to join in the worship and praise fill that place where you are with his adoration and get ready to study god's word as we close out though this greeting i want to remind you of something please remember that we're in our days of fasting if you go online you can find the fasting guide for this next week. And we're encouraging all of our people who are physically able to be able to fast one day each week in the months of April, May, July, and October. And so we're giving you the fasting guides for April and May right now each week for you to be able to fast, focus on that, and to be able to pray and join with us. So I encourage you to do that. I do it on Monday. You'll choose whatever day you would try to pray for our fast and pray for about 24 hours and Let those times when ordinarily you would eat or when you get hungry remind you to pray for the revival that we so desperately need. Now join us in this worship experience together. If you have your Bibles I'd invite you to take and turn them to Malachi chapter 3 just to remind you that we are in this year of revival and so when I'm preaching I'm preaching messages about revival to encourage us to be revived. Last week, we looked at one of the obstacles of revival. It was found in the story where Naaman was healed, but then Gehazi, who was the servant of the prophet Elisha, runs after Naaman and asks him, tells him, that Elijah wants some of those riches that he had tried to give to him that Elijah had turned down. He lies to Naaman, he lies to Elisha in order to get some talents in order to get some clothing, and he had greed in his heart and life. And Gehazi paid a great price. His judgment was high because of what he did. And God took it serious, the fact that he had greed in his heart and his life. I shared with you as we closed out that service, though, that do we think that the only person who's ever been greedy in life is Gehazi? Gehazi. It would have been wonderful to know that the only person who ever lived in this whole world who had greed was Gehazi, but we know that that's not true. We understand that greed is something that all of us, or many of us, will have to deal with sometime in our life. And I want to share with you today a story of where God points out to an entire nation, the nation of Israel, that they have a problem with greed. And that, that greed that they have and they practice is going to cause them great judgment. But if they would heed and hear what God would say, then they would have an opportunity to be blessed by the Lord. Now, that brings us to something that's very important before we look at this passage, and that is this sin of greed. Many people, when they think about something like greed, they think about that as a minor sin. I mean, it's not like murder. It's not like stealing. It's it's not adultery. And in our hearts and our minds, we have this idea that that's just a a small sin or a minor sin. And and many of us don't take or, or think very much about it. But I want you to understand something. God considers greed a horrible sin. Any sin to God is a horrible sin because it separates us from Him. And as he is in the midst of that, dealing with us and dealing with Gehazi, dealing with the nation of Israel, we'll see today, he points out that greed is a sin that a person is judged for, and that we need to be serious about this matter of greed in our heart and our life. Please don't have in your mind that it's nothing. Think about what God thinks. God says it's very important that greed not be in the heart of any of my children. Now, I want us to look at this passage in Malachi where the prophet speaks to the people of Israel and he talks to them about why they're not experiencing the blessing of God. And he actually calls them to revival. Let's look at that in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 7. This is a, a call of God to his people to experience revival. Listen to what it says. From the days of your fathers... You have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? The first thing the prophet says in relationship to that is this. He says, you have been just like your fathers, and your fathers sinned, and you sinned. You've been just like your fathers that you're breaking my law. You're not doing what I have commanded you to do. And he says, one of the things that you're doing and, and that you're you're failing to do and and in and, and breaking that law is the fact that you have robbed God. Now think about that for just a moment. I couldn't imagine robbing anybody, but but could you imagine robbing God, who owns everything and it's all his? But he says to the children of Israel, you have robbed me. You have robbed me. And then he invites them to say, return to me, return to me, and I will return to you. That's what revival is all about. Revival is us returning to God and God returning to us. It's this renewal of this relationship, this walking closer to God. And he said to the children of Israel, if you're, going, "If you're going to walk close to me, then you're going to have to deal with this issue of where you have robbed me. You're going to have to deal with this issue and you're going to have to return to me." They asked him this question, he said, Lord, How is it that we return? Well, what is it that we've done? And he says very directly to them, "You have robbed me. You have robbed God. That is a sin. And then they go on and they ask the question, "Well, then, how is it that we have robbed you? What have we done?" Look at verse eight. Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, "How have you ro- how will we robbed thee?" And he answers in tithes and offerings, in tithes and contributions. Now let's back up and, and remember what God has said to His people regarding tithing and giving contributions, offerings to God. One of the things at the very beginning he establishes is that God is the owner of everything. He created everything. He creates us. He creates everything in this world. Anything that we possess, God created. He's the owner of it all. Whenever he was dealing with the nation of Israel and teaching them about who he was and what he possessed, he taught them and helped them to understand that he was the owner of everything. He was God Almighty, God Creator. And that everything that they possessed, everything that they would have, everything they would own, be responsible for, was given to them by God. And then he said to them, because I am the giver of everything and I've blessed you in every way, this is what I require of you. This is what I require of you. I require of you that you give me a tithe, that you give me one tenth of all that I bless you with. I I want you to give me one tenth of all I give it back to me as a testimony that all that I give to you is mine and that you realize I'm the giver of every good And perfect gift. It it says that here in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 and 32. Listen to what it says Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Verse 32 And for every tenth part of the herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy to the lord in other words the command of the lord was this i've given you everything all that i have required of you is that you would give me back a tenth now that tenth is not yours that tenth is mine just like all of it's mine but all i'm requiring of you is to give me that tenth it says it again in deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 22 You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. So there was no doubt that whenever God was in relationship to the nation of Israel from the very birthing of this nation, He had established that I'm the giver of everything, the blesser of all that you have, and all that I ask of you is that you give me a tenth of that to be used in my work, in my kingdom, and for you to recognize through that, that I own it all, and that this is all I require. And the nation of Israel knew that. But when you come back to this passage in Malachi, God says to the nation of Israel, says, you haven't lived up to your side of the bargain. You haven't done what I told you to do. You haven't been faithful to what I've wanted you to do. And therefore, you have withheld your tithes. You have withheld your offering and you act as though it is all yours. And because you have withheld your tithe and it is mine, you have robbed me. And why would the nation of Israel do that? They would do that because they are greedy. They were so greedy that they couldn't live on 90% that is blessed by God. They had to have it all. They had to receive it all. They couldn't give God His part because greed had filled their heart that they needed it all. And therefore God says, if you're going to return to me that I can return to you, you're going to have to deal with this aspect of how you have taken what is mine. You're going to have to deal with this aspect of greed that is in your heart and in your life. And if you are willing to deal with that greed in your life, I will bless you. I can do all kinds of things for you, but you're going to have to be willing to deal with this greed. You know what God goes on and says, he says, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. He says, because when you don't let me have my 10th and, and you don't partner with me and, and let me bless you, then there's all kinds of judgment that come into your life. Not that I want to bring judgment. Not that I I want to have hindrances in your life. I want you to be blessed. But you bring all these judgments into your life because this greed is sin. And that sin brings judgment. Just like it brought judgment in the life of Behazi, it brings judgment in the nation of Israel. And what does he say is their judgment? Listen to what it says here in verse number 9 of Malachi 3. You are cursed with a curse. Why? Because you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. You are robbing me, and he goes on and he he, he says, y- "You're you're causing me to withhold blessings from you. You're you're causing things to happen where the devourer comes and and devours up the fruit of your labor." And and your grapes, right before they're ready to be harvested and ready to be a blessing, they're casting forth the fruit before they reach maturity because you are under a curse. Three things he says there. You're under a curse It says you've allowed the devouring one to come and devour the produce, all that you have. And you're also letting the grapes cast forth their fruit before it's time. And all of that is because you are full of greed. And that greed in your heart has caused there to be judgment in your life. It's very similar to what God told the children of Israel in Haggai. Haggai. And Haggai, if you remember, the people of God had not done what they were supposed to do because they were coming there to rebuild the temple of God. And they start out well. They build the foundation, but they don't continue building. They get busy building their own houses, care about their own life, and they are disobedient to not build the house of God. Until Haggai the prophet comes and reminds them that you need to get back doing what God wants you to do. You need to be obedient to God so God can bless you. And in Haggai chapter 1, he describes what it's like to be under a curse. They're under this curse at this point because of the fact that they're not doing what God told them to do and rebuilding the temple. But it's going to be very similar to that curse that's described in Malachi. Listen to what it says, the curse in verse 6 of chapter 1 of Haggai. You have sown much, but you harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. He who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. He says that's the that's the life of a cursed person. A, a cursed person is one who... who Plants so much but harvests little, who doesn't have enough to eat, doesn't have enough to drink. He puts his money in the bag, think he's going to save it, and then there's a hole in it, and it falls out. It's a it's a cursed life. And and they were under a curse in Haggai's day because they didn't rebuild the temple. And Malachi, God says to the people, because you are full of greed and because you've not done what I've told you to do in relationship to what you possess, and you haven't lived in right a right relationship, you're under a curse. Not that you should be, not that you, I want you to be, not that that's what I ordained for you, but because your sin has caused this curse to come and things never measure up. What you hope, what you dream for is never enough. You go out there, he says, and you plant and you think that you're going to have a good harvest. And here comes the devourer and the devourer is the one who takes it away. Instead of it being a blessing, instead of it being provision for you, the devourer takes it away. Now, who is this devourer? We all know who that is. That's the old enemy. That's Satan. That's the destroyer. Just as in John 10, 10, Jesus said, it says, I've come to give you life, but I've come to give you life abundantly. What did the destroyer come? He has come to destroy you. The destroyer has come to destroy you. Satan wants to destroy you when I want to give you life. That's who the devourer is. And Satan takes great pleasure in being able to devour that which you are hoping for because you're in the wrong place and you're not in the position where God can protect you and bless you and watch over you. And and one of the ways the devourer does that is that the grapes, before they're mature, before they're a blessing, they're cast forth. All of that, he says, because you have a wrong relationship with your possessions. You got greed in your heart and greed in your heart is lived out because you won't give me that which is mine. That which is mine. But then you find something very interesting in Malachi. God gives them direct instruction of how to correct it. Listen to what it says in verse number 10. Bring the whole tithe... Into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. What do we have to do to correct this? Israel is asking. What do we need to do that we stop robbing God and we can get from under this curse? God said, this is what you have to do. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you were commanded to do back in Leviticus. Do what you were commanded to do back in Deuteronomy. Bring your tithe into the storehouse that there might be food for my house that we might eat. That's all you have to do is to be obedient. That's all you have to do is stop being greedy in your heart and to partner with me and give to me that which I required of you, remembering that it's all mine to begin with. All you have to do is do what I commanded you to do. Then there's a very interesting passage here. It's it's interesting because as far as I know, it's the only place in the Bible that God says this to His people. He says, bring that whole tithe in the storehouse. And He says, and test me now in this. Uh, The only time in God's Word that He says, test me. God basically just test me and see if what I'm promising you will not be true. Just just go ahead and test me and and see if, if you'll do what I said, not be greedy, but give your tithe, that I will... Rebuke the devourer, I will take away the curse, and I'll be able to bless you. Just try me. Just test me. God never says that except in this passage. And I think it's because God knows that if we will test him, and we will try him, and we will partner with him, and we'll do what he says we'll do, that that the curse can be removed, the devourer can be rebuked, and blessings can come. Because he said, if you'll test me, I will do something for you that you cannot imagine. He says, I want to show you the results of your faithfulness. I want to show you the results of when you have a generous heart, of, of whenever you have a, a liberated spirit and you give. Listen, listen to what it says that God says, test me in this now and see, number one, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. God says, I'll open up the windows of heaven. And you know what he's going to do out of those windows? He's going to pour out a blessing to the nation of Israel. That's what he said. I want to pour out a blessing. And do you know how great that blessing is going to be? That blessing is going to be so big you cannot even contain it. Could you imagine having something, a receptacle that you're going to receive the blessings of God and God's blessings are so much that, that it fills that container that you have and it overflows. That's, that's exactly the picture. God says, I want to so bless you and I want to so move in you and I want you to see how great a God I am and how abundant God I, I am in giving. I want to fill up all that you have and let it overflow I will do that if you'll return to me, if you will try me, if you'll bring your tithe, I will bless you by opening the windows of heaven. Wow. How many of you want to have the windows of heaven opened up to you? How many of you want blessings so great that you could not contain it? How do you have that? Because you wouldn't be greedy in your heart, but you would trust the Lord and do what he said. That's what he's told the nation of Israel. But it, but that wasn't all. He didn't say, I will just, I will bless you so much that, that you can't contain it all. Listen to what else he says in verse 11. He says, then I will rebuke the devourer for you. I will rebuke the devourer for you. So that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast forth early says the Lord of hosts. He not only says he's going to pour out a blessing, he says he will also rebuke the destroyer, rebuke the devourer, rebuke the one who's been hindering you and hurting you along the way. I don't know about you, that that is an awesome blessing. It's one thing to receive the blessings of God from heaven, but it's another thing for God to protect us. He protects us by rebuking the devouring one. See, the only way that that old Satan can have anything to do in our lives, the only way he can touch us anyway, is the fact of this. Either we're out of the will of God, and by being out of the will of God, we open our lives up to the devourer. Or either we're in the will of God, serving God, and if God allows the old enemy to touch us, it's for our good and for God's glory. And and if God chooses for the old enemy to touch me some way for his purposes, then that's acceptable. But it is not acceptable if the old devourer and destroyer is touching my life because I'm out of the will of God and I'm in sin. I don't want the devourer to have any right, any place in me. And he will not, and he does not, so long as we're obedient to God and we're walking in obedience to the Lord God in every way. And one of those ways is to be in a right relationship. So he told the nation of Israel, nation of Israel, if you will do what I said, nation of Israel, if you will tithe of the offerings and give to me what is mine, then I will bless you I will rebuke the devouring one. Your grapes will not be cast forth early, but they will be in f- fullness for you to enjoy the produce. I want to bless you, and I want to remove the curse. I want to remove that curse. Listen to what else he says to them. Not only am I going to bless you abundantly, and I'm going to protect you from the devouring one. He says this in verse number 12. And all the nations will call you blessed. For you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. What he says basically is this. I want to so bless you, and I want your life to be such a testimony that everybody, all the nations of the world, will look at you and consider you a delightful land. They will consider you a blessed nation. Matter of fact, they'll try to scratch their head and figure out what is the nation of Israel doing so that they would be blessed in this way? Why do they have the fruit that they have? Why, why do they have all these things poured out to them? The answer is because they serve the real Lord God, the only God of heaven and earth. The answer is because Jehovah is real and he's the blesser of his people when his people are obedient to him. And, and and God said this my plan for you, my purpose for you, my goal for you is that you'll be such a blessed people and such a delightful land that all the nations will bear testimony that you have a special relationship with an Almighty God. Do you hear those words that God spoke to Israel? Just like just like he spoke to Gehazi. <laughs> he, he spoke to Gehazi and said, Gehazi, What you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is is not the will of God. What you're doing is full of greed, and therefore there is judgment in your life. That greed will cause judgment because greed is sin. Greed is not in the purpose of God, and greed is not like the character of God. God is a giving God. And he doesn't want greed to be in the heart or life of his people, whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, he doesn't want that. And just as Gehazi had a price to pay, so Malachi says, you as a nation are paying a price that you do not need to pay. You're paying a price that you don't have to pay. And the reason you're paying that price is because you have robbed God by being greedy in your heart. You've robbed God by being greedy in your heart, and and therefore it's caused you to be under a curse. But if you will come and make that right, and you'll stop being greedy, but you'll partner with God and give God what God has commanded as his own, that God will change his relationship with you, his his fellowship with you. He'll change his heart towards you, and he'll do what he wants to do. He'll bless you abundantly, and, and he'll protect you from the evil one and he'll bear the fact that a testimony is given of you that you are delightful people who serve and worship an awesome God. He is talking to the nation of Israel and saying you got to change your heart and greed cannot be in your life. If it is, if it is, then you're going to have judgment. But if you'll remove that greed and let me be your God, And do what you're supposed to do, nation of Israel. I will bless you, protect you, and make you a testimony to all the world. Now, is Gehazi the only person that has greed? No. Is the nation of Israel, as we've seen him out, are they the only people, the only nation that experiences greed? I'm sorry to tell you, no. Greed is a problem in the hearts of many, many of us. And so next week, I'm going to carry us on over to the New Testament. And I want to see what the New Testament tells us today in our life about how we ought to live and how we need to be warned and guard against greed creeping into our hearts and our lives. Because if greed is a sin in Gehazi's life and greed is a sin in Israel's life, then greed is a sin in our lives. And if judgment is given to Gehazi because of his greed, and judgment is given to Israel because of their greed, then judgment is going to be the result of our greed. But if God says, you make your heart right, you get your heart right, and you live in right relationship, remove the greed of your heart, become a generous person, do what I'd have you do, and I will abundantly bless you. If He did that for the nation of Israel, He will do that for us as well. And we do not want... Greed to be an obstacle to revival. Greed does not need to be something that hinders God from doing what God wants to do and blessing us as the people of God. So we want to deal with that sin. If it's in our heart God points out to us and reveals to us we've got greed in our heart, we need to confess that before Almighty God. And we need to make that right before the living God. Would you take time in your heart right now Child of God, would you pray? Would you ask God, God, am, am I full of greed? God, am, am I not trusting you in areas that I need to trust you? Am I not partnering with you? Much like the nation of Israel didn't partner with you. Lord, am I I'm building a kingdom for myself instead of being a blessing to others? Lord, reveal to me my heart. And if there's greed in my heart, I want to confess that I want to make that right. And I want to get into the place and position where you can bless me. And let me be a blessing to others. Would you pray that today? Would you ask that? Would you seek your heart? And friend, if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, let me tell you, your life is going to be consumed by self. That's all we do. Whenever we don't have Jesus in our heart who gives us freedom from self, we're just about self. And in being about self, we're going to find greed creeps into our spirit. Greed is a part of our life. And we need to take care of that. You know how you take care of that? Let Jesus be Lord. Let Jesus come into your heart, into your life, and be Lord over your life. And whenever He becomes Lord, He'll remove the greed, and you'll replace it with love. And He'll remove that spirit of greed and make you a generous person. And He'll cause you to know the importance of partnering with God and letting God use you and bless others through you. But first step is to give your heart to Jesus. If you've never done that, You need to do that today. You can do that very simply by confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, admitting that you are a sinner who needs to be saved, who needs to be forgiven. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. Ask Him to come into your heart, your life, forgive your sin, and to be your Lord and your Savior. And believe that in your heart, and He will do that If you've never done that before, today is a day of salvation. Give your heart and life to Jesus. Child of God, pray that prayer. Ask God to remove that greed in your heart. And if there's other needs in your life, even though we're not talking about that today, even though the Word of God might not have spoken directly to that, God can meet that need in your heart today. Wherever you are, just pray and ask the Lord to be real to you, to let His Word, His life, His Spirit minister to you where you are. Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you that you invite us to respond to your holy word and I ask you to take the words of Malachi this day and that it apply to us. Oh, well, We know we're talking about the nation of Israel, but you've required of us the same thing, to be a partner with you, to trust you, that you're the giver of every good and perfect gift and, and that Lord would return to you our tithes and offerings. Help, help us Lord to be faithful to do that. We ask that you'd help us to be a blessed people. We want to remove the old devouring one and any curse that would be upon us. We want to walk in obedience and watch you work as only you can. Give us the courage. For some of us, for the very first time, it may take the courage to test you and to see if what you've promised you will not do. I know because I've experienced that you are ever more faithful. Now bless us, Lord, as a people. Bless our nation. Bless our world. Heal our land. And bring us back together as we can be a congregation of believers meeting together soon. Strengthen us in these times. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon-series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world.